Southeast Radio's morning mix. Chat, news, and your views. Alan Corcoran. Good morning, Alan. Verona, can I get a, a quick uh, comment from you on what we've just heard there from Dane Ty and also the fact that Minister of State Jack Chambers, who I met at the launch of the Greenway in Uras, and he seems to be very competent when it comes to his kind of uh, update on these situations. Uh, he is not too happy about what he's hearing. What, what's your reading of this? Well, I think what has to happen here is that Jack needs to ask his cabinet colleagues in government to clarify if this new cashless policy is a government policy. The RSA are a government entity. They subcontract and tender out the contract to the NCTS. And the reality is that that tender process needs to dictate whether or not they can go cashless. It is not something that's illegal. It doesn't affect everybody, but it certainly does affect people who don't use credit cards, debit cards and use cash only as a means of controlling their budget and in the strengthened times that we are in, particularly with the cost of living, I admire people who are trying to budget and trying to safeguard themselves from getting into difficulty so I do think this needs to be clarified. Jack is a member of the cabinet he needs to call on his government colleagues to clarify this once and for all and put it to bed. It's not a newsworthy story but we need government to clarify whether or not we have a cashless policy coming from government. And on the whole subject of cashless, which in itself could lead to a healthy discussion at some stage in more detail on the morning mix, but just to get your view on this, there are people out there who still very much rely on having cash and using cash and hate the whole idea of going cashless. And you're speaking to it. I, I, I still actually like to use the cash rather than the card. Maybe I'm old-fashioned. But uh, I, I saw a very interesting statement from a highly acclaimed businessman here in Wexford who talked about the importance that cash is still king in many ways and that by using cash it it, it benefits the economy more. What's your view on that? Well, I think the view is that many people choose to use cash, as I said, primarily in a way that allows them to budget for their outgoings. Credit cards, debit cards, you know, you don't see the money being taken out of your pocket. You don't see it coming out of your bank account unless you check. If you've got €100 Euros in your pocket, Alan, and you, you spend it, well, it's gone. And you realise very quickly that it's gone. And I think we have to take cognizance of that. Cash is king, not just because we need it. It's because it's legal tender. And the reality is that once it's legal tender, it should be recognised by all entities. However, it is not illegal to remove the fact that you accept cash. It's not illegal, but I want the government to clarify that our government agencies doing this as part of a government policy because people are very much entitled to use legal tender across Europe, not just in Ireland, but it needs clarification. All right, let's move on to other issues. Uh, As I said at the very start of the show, um, there's a senator, Victor Boyan, who I'm trying to get in contact with, and hopefully Victor will have a chat with me tomorrow. But he has made some very strong comments on the whole homeless figure, which is absolutely shocking. There are now 3,829 children homeless last month, an increase of 64 since the June figures. Shocking news that the figure now uh, stands at 12,847. Um, are we ba- batting our heads against a brick wall when it comes to this? 
Well, I think just to update you, on Friday, actually, I had been in with the housing department and the figures in Wexford are currently 39 adults in emergency accommodation. And that's how we measure homelessness. There are 27 in Osmond House and 13 in B&Bs. And I think the reduction is probably due to a mixture of reasons. Um, Some will have sourced private rentals through uh, and using HAP assistance. There may have been some granted the provision of housing through the social housing system. And there are many who will have just left the county because they're not going to remain homeless or they've found accommodation outside of the county. So I think, Alan, it's a really serious issue. Figures are continually going up. We're now just short, as you say, of 13,000 people homeless. And I think this comes at a time when Wexford County Council are turning down planning applications. We had a development across the bridge in Ferrybank, which would have seen 200 houses being built. And that planning was rejected by on board Panola because we had, Wexford County Council have actually allowed the town plan to expire, which means we have no land zoned. Like just a couple of weeks ago, there was an application made for a substantial development out in Park, and that was refused also. Now, the problem is that it costs a, a vast amount of money to put those planning applications in, upwards of a half a million probably for the one that was in Ferrybank. And if they're to reapply, first of all, we need a town plan which we don't, I haven't heard anything at it. The next meeting will be the first meeting after summer recess will be in September. But the reality is, and I've spoken to you about this before, because it's something that really, really frustrates me on behalf of the people who elected me. The people who are homeless and those who are paying very high rents are suffering because of the mistakes made by the majority of Wexford County councillors and those who are trying to access affordable housing. And by that, I mean councillors are elected by the people to best serve them. And one of their major functions is to create a county development plan that best suits the needs of the people of Wexford. And instead of doing that, they adopted a planning policy that's set out in the national planning framework, which includes high densities, meaning high-rise, when they should have had regard to that, but they had the power to dictate their own policy to suit the needs of Wexford people. And they didn't adopt a plan that was suitable for Wexford. And as a result, we don't have houses being built. And I would say in the defence of the staff of the Housing Department in Wexford County Council, who are continuously under pressure, not just from the public, but from yelling councillors. You know, and you get this, everything, you get it headlined in the newspapers. And the reality is that these are the same councillors who adopted it that has caused the problem. All right, well I have I will be joined uh, in a few moments time by one of the councillors uh, I'm not quite sure if you're referring to this individual councillor but he has been listening to you Leonard Kelly is here in studio to discuss a number of issues and no doubt he will give a response because you mentioned councillors, I just happen to have one here in the studio with me. Before uh, I move away from the whole area of housing I'll get back and just to follow up on those two housing developments that you talked about here locally as well because definitely I did something on one of those I spoke to councillor Lisa MacDonald about this 
prior uh, to uh, going on holidays. So I'll go, go, uh, revisit both those housing developments you talked about there uh, well, to get a response. Today, Alan, it, yeah. was, it was Councillor MacDonald who complained about the dezoning yeah. policy that are about, yes. that's about to be undertaken when developing a count, uh, Wexford Town Plan. Councillor MacDonald and all 34 councillors were aware that that was part of the National Planning Framework. And at the time, when they were advised of it, they were told it would serve one purpose and one purpose only. And that was to drive up the price of the lands that would be zoned. Uh, ridiculously, uh, down to, we're going to have zones, uh, land zoned only about 60 hectares. We currently have about 180. And I think okay. the rea- sorry, we currently have about 600 acres. So if you try and condense that down and have a building policy that allows it to be built across a small spectrum of lands, of course it's going to drive up the price, which will in turn add to the price of housing, which in turn makes development unviable. Councillor MacDonald was fully aware of that when she was adopting the county development plan. Now she chooses to make it an issue. The, The time to have made that an issue was when they adopted the county development plan some two years ago. Right, I give her a right to respond to that as well, but before I move away uh, and before we conclude our conversation with you this morning, you want to go revisit a topic that was very much uh, on air here in Morning Mix uh, while I was away and that is uh, the school bus situation. Have you an update? Well, I don't have any update except to say that the situation is getting much worse and we now have, you know, we've we've been listening for three and four weeks to the uh, bus airman, I suppose, and the Department of Transport telling us that they first cater for those who are eligible. And by eligible, they mean those who are travelling within uh, 4.3 kilometres to their nearest school. I've learned last night a very distressed parent came on to me to say that she meets the criteria and is eligible for a seat on the school transport bus, but that there is no bus available. So we are very much at crisis point, Alan, and I think it is now high time that the Minister for Transport, who looks after this scheme, as well as the Minister for Education, that's Norma Foley, Minister for Transport being Eamon Ryan, they need to sit down and sort this mess out. There's working parents in a state of flux because they have no idea, starting tomorrow, how they will get their children to school and be able to work. These are people who pay the tax to provide the scheme and they are being totally disregarded as well as those now who are actually eligible for the scheme. They're being told at the 11th hour that there is no bus available but they're trying to sort it out. It's an accumulation of last year the Minister giving out complete free scheme. We have a policy adopted by Bus Erin where a driver must retire at the age of 70. Many of the private operators have drivers who are well over the age of 70 and capable of driving a bus. The real issue here is our private operators they feel that they can't operate their business sustainably because the minute a parent is given a seat on the school transport bus, they remove their name from the private operator and the private operator is left with maybe 10 pupils and the that then route is not viable. This okay. has to be cured. And the way to cure it is what we have put forward as the regional group for which I am a member, and that is a tax incentive for the parents who are paying private operators both to keep them viable and, and to keep parents in the realm of knowing that this issue is not going to come up year on year. It's completely archaic and the system needs to be addressed. Unfortunately, it's every year, but this year is much worse because they have failed to plan in any regard. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Chat, news and your views.